This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, so now it's time to get serious. So sometimes we have to. Sometimes we definitely have to. And I saw a documentary this past weekend, brand new. The second part was just released uh, last week called I Love You, Now Die, The Commonwealth versus Michelle Carter. It's the case where allegedly this girl texted her boyfriend to death, basically, like encouraged him to die. That's what we know. We remember this story. It came out. It, this happened in 2014. Right. The actual event happened in 2014. It was all over the news. Uh, if you saw a picture of Michelle Carter, you know exactly who we're talking about. And um, I wanted to get your opinions on this, guys, because this documentary is it's huge. A lot of people have watched it. A lot of members of the Buzz family have messaged me about it with their opinions. And it's just one of those things where it's like the media portrays, you know, someone to look to be a certain way when they don't know it, all of the facts. This is why I hate the big news stories. That's why I hate doing mm-hmm. big news stories like that, because it's like we don't know everything. And I remember this story because I was in high school when this happened. Mm-hmm. So it was even closer to home for everyone my age because we were the same age as her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you were going through exactly what she was going through. Exactly. And even if you go back to when I was in high school 20 years ago, the pressures and the social media and all these other things weren't there for us to have extra pressure with. So this is part of the trailer, and uh, we're going to play this and come back and talk about it in a second. I saw him text her all the time, but I didn't think that they had a relationship like that. It's sort of impossible to understand what happened because it's so far from, you know, acceptable human behavior. But now we have this opportunity to see inside their mind. One level of the conversation is a kid that's going to kill himself. And then there's another level that's a romantic fantasy. The question is, can you cause someone else to commit suicide? The defendant's own words. His death was my fault. I told him to get back in. Mr. Roy himself stated, I want to die. She thought she was doing absolutely the right thing. Okay, so we have broken this up into Dustin and I have seen this documentary. And we have specifically asked Stacy and Chris not to watch the documentary, but to kind of be the variable as we add more things onto your knowledge of what happened, you kind of give us your opinion on, you know, which way that it sways. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to start this out with just, and again, you guys were not allowed to research this. I made you just kind of go off of the common knowledge that you have of it. At this moment right now, what do you remember from that case? People versus Michelle Carter. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't remember this at all. Really? I don't. Okay. That's good. That's that's good because then everything we throw at you, you know, it'll depend on... Depend on that. What do you okay. remember? From what I know, the text messages about back and forth between the girl and the boy were the constant of he wanted to end his life and was procrastinating it. And she was like, continue, you know, go along with it, continue, get it done. And 
basically the news media saying that she, the text messages were encouraging him, and he was in such a place where those messages allowed him to go into that dark area and finally commit suicide. So at this moment, can someone text someone, would, would somebody who texted someone what you know to die, like to die from what you know right mm-hmm. now, which is kind of nothing besides what the media told you, mm-hmm. uh, would you think that someone should be held responsible for that? I'm, because it's illegal to incite violence like onto others. If you post a Twitter like you need to go harm this person, or you that's illegal. You can you can be charged for that. Is it illegal to incite violence onto themselves? So, can she be charged with? She has been, from what I know of the case, but. It wasn't violence on someone else. It was the person who took it and did it to themselves. Right. So what do you think? Can it be her fault or not? We go into a slippery slope there. Right. And that was- It's not as black and white for me. Okay. It's not as cut and dry or, or that simple of a yes or no. And that was what this whole case was about from the very beginning. Should she even go to court over it? So her uh, her her lawyer- had to talk to the Supreme Court to see if this was even... And they had to discuss if she had any um, doing in right. any of this to be even brought to trial. And this is from the documentary. I don't think verbally encouraging someone, I don't think that, I don't think that would be a crime. Wait, wait, wait. I mean, you mean if, if somebody solicits a murder? Well, if somebody solicits that, we get that all the time. That would be a, because there's an underlying crime. Right, right. Murder. But we do have an involuntary manslaughter statute, which talks about wanton and reckless conduct resulting in the death, causing the death of someone. And at some point, can verbal action become wanton and reckless if it results in someone's death? The problem is that uh, the death was caused by the victim himself. So I'm in the truck and I'm dying. And I I have to get out. I get out. And I call my friend, and my friend says, get back in the truck, kill yourself. That's not enough. That's just talk. Jump off that bridge, or I will push you. The uh, or I will push you would probably take that over the line. But jump off the bridge would not. Thoughts? I agree. Okay. So that's the, that was the Supreme Court talking about if this case should even be brought to trial. Can she be responsible for any part of this? Yeah, I, I I agree with with whoever was talking. The very last guy. Yeah, the there there's a certain aspect that yeah, if if you don't jump, I will make you jump. Right. That that's more than just get back in the car and kill yourself. Right. That's totally okay. different. Okay, Chris, what do you think? I'm going to have to, from the knowledge that I have at this moment, mm-hmm. I would say that she shouldn't be charged for this. So she was. Mm-hmm. They decided it's. They decided that she did have something to do with it. And so they decided that she had to go to court over this. And that's where this whole thing really, really begins. Um, At this point, Dustin, really, somebody in the documentary said that the media likes to latch on to stories like this. Right. Well, and one thing that bothers me about this whole situation, you brought up the Supreme Court, is that they even said Massachusetts is one of 11 states. They said this at the beginning of the documentary. One of 11 states that has no law stating that Michelle did anything wrong. So to me, if we're doing it just based on law and we're just doing it off the facts, this case gets thrown out the window immediately. 
any other case when there's not a law broken, it gets thrown out. You can't write a law to make a previous right. incident illegal. Right. You can only go doing that forward and anything of that would be grandfathered in. Right. That is, but we're in a very different day and time, you know, with having, that's why this mm-hmm. case was so important. It, it was basically like, can you bully someone to death? And it's weird that that, for the moment, just follow exactly where we're going with this. Don't jump ahead yet. Can you bully someone to death? Can you? Can you, if, if you, Theoretically, bully, if you yeah. bully someone, yeah. non-physically, non-violently, if you bully them with you can, words. You can break a person down so far that it will eventually, it can lead to suicide. So I I don't guess? think it's one individual person's or actions or words. It's in the accumulation of everything in their current life. Mm-hmm. You can't pin that on one person. I think that's a valid point. We'll, yeah. we'll get to another point that has to do with that. Um, should you be responsible, Dustin, for things that you say to people? I think you ha- there is a responsibility to the things you say. Just like for us. Anything we say, you know... It, it it comes back to us. Mm-hmm. But I don't think another person's actions are dependent on your words, if that makes sense. Okay. So you're See, in the gray line, gray, gray area. Right. Again, it comes back to that whole, you know, jump off the bridge or I'll push you. Right. That's now, that the person, second part. Right. Right. If it's just me saying jump off the bridge, then, you know, that, that's where the gray area is. But as when it gets to the point where do it or I'm going to make you do it. Mm-hmm. But can can berating someone and Jordan Silver and friends six to nine not saying this is taking this and making it our own thing. Can berating someone and telling them that they're worthless and that they shouldn't live and that they're not um, that they don't deserve things. Can you can that lead someone to possibly yes want to kill themselves? Yes. It can. I will say yes. Absolutely. To that because I think that it can be very vindictive. And the the thing is is that if the argument of, oh, well, you can just block the number or you can just delete your social media account or you can do this, you can do that. If they are that hard set on making you feel that way, they're going to find a way. They're going to get a new number. They're going to download a texting app with a new number and just continue and continue and continue berating you. And that, yes, I think at that point when you are being bullying someone, antagonizing someone to the point where they feel worthless to where they take that action. Mm-hmm. Yes, you need to be held responsible. So that is where I believe that, this is my opinion, that's where the Supreme Court was like, maybe we do need to talk about this. You know, because at the point before this, they're, you know, most bullies don't really, you know, you can bully someone and something, you know, the victim has all this mental abuse and it like affects the rest of their lives, but like the bully never gets Anything. anything for it. So that's, from what I understand, from what, uh, that was what why that was why the Supreme Court decided let's go along with this and see where it's at. So on that same um, level, I checked out Psychology Today and found the the reasons that people kill themselves. And again, this might be a triggering conversation. So you know, if you are feeling anything um, strongly about this and you don't feel like you need to hear the rest of this, just turn change the channel for a little bit. We're talking about the uh, the documentary, HBO documentary, I Love You Now Die, The Commonwealth versus Michelle Carter. Lots of members of the Buzz family watched this and messaged me about it. So uh, I feel like this is an important topic to talk about. But I also feel like, you know, if you do have triggers, uh, that you should avoid the rest of this right. conversation. But according to Psychology Today, the top reasons that people kill themselves, I hate this list, <laughs> depression, traumatic stress, substance abuse, uh, su- excuse me, 
substance abuse and impulsivity. Lost Jordy Silver and friends from six to nine on the bus. Belief that your life is a burden to others, social isolation, and a cry for help. Okay. Could bullying lead to any of those? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Okay, cool. So that is why I think they took it to the actual case. They decided to actually do the case. Um, so at this point, and then, you know, she goes in, she's like this blonde chick. You know, you know what she looks like, right? Mm-hmm. You don't know what she looks like? No. Okay. I was going to Google it. But- yeah, Google photo okay. real quick. Um, she's just, she's a very attractive young lady. I mean, she's just, is very well put together and things like that. But when she's in the courtroom, you'll know the picture as soon as you yeah. see it. When it's probably the first picture like, that uh, pops yeah. up. Yeah, okay. Is it her with her lips kind of? Yeah. Yeah. That's her, her in the m- mousy looking face. That's her in the courtroom. And that's that's where everyone that's the picture that became famous. Mm-hmm. And that's why everyone said, you know, wow, she looks like a horrible person. I mean, right. she just looks like she's giving off the face of someone who doesn't feel sorry, isn't sympathetic, isn't worried about what she did at all. Right. And the documentary interviews some people on the street or they pulled some audio clips from they pulled some clips from the news and uh this is what one woman said and to me my problem with this my very first problem because there's a lot is the media's ability to vilify someone and our um our way of sometimes just making decisions based on how people look you know using our own prejudices to I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, like people with tattoos or piercings, people automatically assume they're terrible people. Exactly. I exactly. Them. I mean, it's, at this point, it's not even just a race thing. It's it's also, you know, it can be taken to people that are considered very attractive. You see them, you're jealous of them. They were the cool kid in school. It right. goes all the way back to there. So this is a woman that just just from the street, and this is what she says about seeing a picture mm. of Michelle Carter. From what I understand, this is where the boy took his life, sitting right here. I've never met the girl, but I've seen pictures of her. She just has that look that I remember. But I see that look, and it's like, you little snot. How could you do that to a human being, you 90210 piece of crap? Uh, You know? I'm telling you, if I was on the jury, I'd say, yeah, (laughs) go ahead. Your parents aren't going to miss you if you're in Framingham for the next 30 years. See you later. Bye. I, I swear to God. Okay. As a so jur- lawyer, I would have her removed from Absolutely. the jury. No, no, no. She, she was not in the jury. Here's the thing. That was the smartest thing Michelle Carter did, and that was something that Jordan and I talked about, is that she didn't have a jury. She specifically did not have a jury. It was in the judge's hand for that exact reason. Right. Because mm-hmm. every single person automatically goes to that. Without hearing anything else, they see her. She, all she knew was her face mm-hmm. and what the news had said. That's why I don't understand. I know this is totally, well, kind of off subject and like a completely different conversation, but I don't understand why the big cases like this or like other really high level media cases, how can you still grab a jury, a jury from the public after hearing all of that, how is that fair? Sometimes they they move counties, they move Even places. Even that, to do it. I mean, if I it agree goes with you. National, like I completely agree with you. How can you not have an unbiased jury? An unbiased, it's not it's not possible. Yeah, I, when that was written, times were of the newspaper, and if you didn't get the newspaper, you didn't know the news. But now, 
It's so it's, hard to escape that. Yeah, yeah. When you go look at dog pictures on Facebook, you've got it there. My, see, when she speaks, the the, the anger in her voice. To yeah, me, she like she was. She seems personally involved and has never met any of the people involved. Right. Right. That this, is insane. This is the angry Facebook commenters. These are the angry YouTubers. Yeah. These are like sometimes the text line. This is like, this is real bullying. And that was the problem with this case was that the, the angry Facebook people. I remember this case so vividly because you couldn't escape it on social media, on Snapchat, on Instagram, on Facebook. It was just link after link after link after link of this story. And all it said was girl kills boyfriend or girl kills boyfriend through text message. Mm-hmm. That's it. So, and then you have these people sharing it, and that's all you see, and that's all the public's getting. That's also a another huge, just flaw is Facebook news, right? So Jordan and I talked about this in the first episode, which when you guys get a chance to watch this in the first episode, you basically just get the entire prosecution, prosecution, just the entire time. That's my okay. Here's my question on this: the way this is set up, mm-hmm. um. So you have the prosecution first, mm-hmm. and then you end on the defense, right? Um, the second so part is the defense. Yes, uh, I don't know the I don't know the answer to that. I don't know how it goes. I'd imagine it, maybe. Are you talking have we about, not seen the second about the part? Documentary? No, we see. Oh, you, okay. Oh, yeah, sorry. I thought you meant actually. Oh, in yeah, court. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah first, That's, I meant the, the documentary. Is Correct. The prosecution, and then the second is the defense in a way. The the prosecution is still there, um, in the second as well. So. The psychologist, no, I'm not a psychologist by any means, but the, the, just with any documentary. Yes. Good point. When, I know where you're going. When you, when you're presented one side at one time, you're like, oh, she totally did it. Screw her. She sucks. Blah, blah, blah. But then you see the other side. It's like, oh, well, maybe not. 100%. Just like making a murderer. Right. Exactly. You, you're presented with one side and then you're, it's just, how, how are you supposed to know what's. Your mind's made up before it, you get yeah, all Yeah, your mind is made that, up. Either that or you watch it and kind of make it a, a game. You have to find the places where they're not answering the questions. Like, the right. media is here to manipulate you. Like, we're here to manipulate you all the time. Everything is like clickbait. Look at this. Tupac right, is alive. Right. Here's a picture. Boom, right. click. Like, there's so much manipulation of everyone going on in the media, in, in everything that we do in our social uh, social media and everything, that... Yes. I mean, this is this is a documentary that people want to watch, that people need to watch so that they can have ratings so that they can make more, you know, documentaries, which is why during the first part of the documentary, when they would have her texts versus his texts, I was like, where are these texts texts? Are they directly after each other? Right. In her actual in their actual text messaging exchange, you know, because he's like, he's like, I'm having a good day. And she's like, you should drink bleach. Right. Because when it's put like that. She's bullying him. Right. Mm-hmm. Out of nowhere. But there is so much more to this case. And we're going to talk about the suicide part of it. Because that was where the the documentary was screaming that it never went. You know? Yeah. This poor kid was feeling horrible. And he went and did the most extreme thing that he could do. And basically, as this uh, as this reporter says, the narrative wasn't about him anymore it was about her it was all over national news michelle was made out to uh be the bad guy her her friends at that point the ones that were called did abandon her they were painting a different reality than what existed 
the focus became Michelle and not Conrad. Did he really want to die? And so they shied away from the root causes of why Conrad Roy killed himself. And we're going to get into this coming up in eight minutes. Jordan Silver and Friends, 69 on 96.5 The Buzz. Changing it up a little bit today. Again, we usually uh, have the funny show that's funny and laughing. But today, um, talking about a serious subject, sometimes you just you need to. Um, talking about the HBO documentary that many of the members of the Buzz family have watched. And it's called I Love You, Now Die on HBO, The Commonwealth versus Michelle Carter. We talked about the beginning part of the case earlier. And now we're going to get into some mental health facts about the case. Again, if uh, you are susceptible to triggers. This is not the best place to be right now because we are going to be talking about this pretty seriously. So feel free to change the station for yeah, a minute. Yeah, we, we won't mind because seriously, this is going to be one of those talks that I'm, I know we all, I don't know. I know I have a personal story on a lot of the topics we're going to talk about. And if that's something that you, know, you don't want to hear, I'm not going to blame you for Com- yes, not, yeah. Mental health is always the most important thing. And I hate that when that people don't, that I don't know, it feels like our society doesn't make that a thing. You know? It's like taboo. Yeah. You don't talk about don't it. Don't take care of your brain. Right. You need take to care go- of everything else, but not your brain. Yeah. You can go work out at the gym. You can be a gym rat like crazy, and that is awesome because it shows physically, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's lusted after and wanted. The outside world can see it. Right. But when it comes to mental health, if you're stressed out, mm. you can talk to somebody. You should. Right. All of that energy and all of those things are going on in your brain, and it creates problems. It doesn't get just just it doesn't go away. It goes somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, and that's it manifests for exactly. sure. Exactly, that's where triggers come from, you know. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, a couple people in my life I know that would really benefit from just sitting on a couch talking to someone will not do it. It uh, for me, um, I was I was right there in like the if you are stressed or if you have any sort of whatever, you got to figure it out. Just it's it, it, you're just stressed out. Just chill out. It's not that. And, and it took me years, years. And I finally like last year had like a bit of a m- mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's coming up on the, the year anniversary anniversary. But yeah, I broke down. I like had a huge it was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, So finally, I was just like I, I the, my whole life I've been like. You don't talk to anybody. Your problems are your problems. You got to figure it out. And I finally was like, that's not, that's not right. Mm -hmm. So I finally talked to somebody and it helped so much. Well, first off, thank you for sharing that with us because that's not something that you had to tell us. So I appreciate you opening up like that. It's the one thing, like, just, it's not all you. Like someone can help you. Yeah. I promise you. And it's don't, don't make it seem, don't think that. It's don't think you're the only one going through it. Right. Like you have like after I opened up to a couple couple friends about it before I went to an actual therapist, they were like, oh, I am right there with you. I'm like, right. What? Why does no one talk? Why don't why do we do this to ourselves? Right. You right. can. I I promise you it will make you feel so much better. It does. It does. If you can it really does. get past that possible thought of embarrassment like right. you can tell your therapist anything yeah they are therapists yeah guess what they've heard worse yeah your worst they've heard worse they have had to go on trial you know to, right. to vouch for people some people and so again like we all do that sort of therapy every day 
but not with a licensed professional. Mm-hmm. We're we're rent vent we're ranting or venting to our mm-hmm. friends or our family, anybody. That is a form of therapy, but going to the right place to get it done where they know way more than anybody who you're talking to and know know the the reasons and can dive deep into find the the reasons for it is I don't understand where that stigma ever came from. My problem was I felt like my problems are my problems. I don't need to burden someone else with my problems. But then I just had to get it through my head. Like that is the entire reason for that in that industry. That's right. Totally. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's almost like a narcissistic view as in no, no one else could possibly help me. No, no, you don't the feel term, worthy of help. Narcissistic is not the term to use right there. Mm-hmm. Um, feeling worthless. I mean, that's one one of the top 10 reasons that people do commit suicide is feeling that their life is a burden to others. This is right. from psychologytoday.com. Your feelings and your yeah. thoughts and yeah, yes. the way you are. When you delve into the language of it, narcissistic isn't the right word to use. Okay. And I'll explain that to you later. Um, but But without using that word to describe what you just said yeah yeah that is a lonely feeling Mm -hmm. lonely feeling god how much stuff how much stress how much abuse does every single person internalize every day you know like i feel guilty sometimes talking uh, you know to you stacy moody because sometimes i feel like you know it's funny because you have a very different opinion than us but also i feel like really guilty sometimes at the end of shows and we have conversations to make sure that we're okay yeah um, and that I didn't really offend you and that, it, you know, it was for the radio. But, you know, that guilt, you know, sometimes I feel that way. It's all in good fun. And it's all, you know, we love each other. But it's the, you're still in the back of your mind going, did I just oh, accept I, that line? Constantly. Because, constantly. Because the thing is, is that, you know, it's kind of like the class clown growing up. They'd make fun of other kids in the class. Mm-hmm. And it was all in good fun because the kid would laugh. But you don't know if that kid's actually laughing because everyone else in the room's laughing or because, you know, they actually find it funny. That's why I always was, um, you know, when you when you have someone that's bullying somebody, the easy way is just to be like, forget that bully. He's a jerk. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you need, we need to talk to that bully. That right. person's going through some stuff. Right. You don't. Yeah. You don't. I don't believe that you are born just that way. I mean, you are a bl- you are an empty um, memory card when you're a child. You know, you're br- you're just ex- seeing things and interpreting them and understanding them and learning from them. On on the way home yesterday, when I was got run- almost run off by the road, I asked my wife, "What's going on in his life that he felt that that was the reaction that he had?" Where I, I feel bad that something that he had that much of an emotional reaction for someone passing him. It, something's going on there it's it's beyond just it's not it wasn't me it wasn't the car passing it was all of that and that was the trigger to set all everything else that's been building and i will not say that this is the reason but that is what could happen if you internalize and don't try to fix or try to figure out what is making you so angry well i've I've been to places where you're you're in so much emotional and mental pain, you literally can't breathe. Mm-hmm. And for to not being able to deal with that and internalizing that will set you off in ways that your a normal human brain can't even comprehend. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's such a drastic change. See, that's what 
and the same with bullies, and that's their their outlet is to you know inflict pain or mental or physical pain onto others. But it manifests in so many ways. Like um, deflection can come in so many different varieties. Like for me, my defense mechanism is humor. Mm-hmm. Like I oh I you know I don't share feelings because feelings are gross. I can't like mentally. I don't allow my feelings to actually be there except <laughs> anger and sadness. Right. Like, that's it. Right. And those are the only ones that I know. It's not because, like, it's funny, but it's also, like, that's how I deal with things is making everything into a joke because I can't take anything seriously. Same with, like, if I was to sit here and punch Dun- Dustin in the face, some people have anger, some people have humor. Mm-hmm. It all manifests in some way. So... I don't know what my point was, but for me, even from a very, 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 very early age, like five or even younger, I always knew that I felt more. I'm going to take this somewhere kind of funny, but it's not. That's why it was so drawn to emo music when it came right? out. Yeah. I was like, these people get it. They feel how I feel. That was the first kind of music where the the, the lyrics that they were singing and the way that they were singing it really spoke to me. And, then, and that's the beautiful thing about music. It, you know, for other people, it might be a different kind of music, a different genre. Um, but I have had the luxury of um, being in places where, in my life, where I can kind of dive into who I am and why I am here. And, I mean, there's the uh, the triangle of needs, the the um, hierarchy of needs, too, where, like, you have to have, at the very bottom, like, food, shelter, water. And then after that, you have to have, like, safety, you know, this list of things that can go up, and then, like, security, and then, like, financial security. And then once you get to a certain point, you can actually figure out who the hell you are. But not a lot of adults even get past right. certain points because they have kids, because they have responsibilities, because they're, you know... Lives are so unique and different. So, um, yeah. So, so I have had the training and the ability, and I've looked deep enough to be able to look at all of those things. That some of the things that you're deflecting—that's your story. You know, that's yeah. Everybody's got a different story, and everybody has that, right? And there's no right or wrong way to again, like, live your life. Right. Yeah. You're just uh, where some you're at. people are handle it better than others, and good for you. And I wish I could do that, but others, we, we have the things that we go to and how we deal with our feelings or lack of it, lack thereof. And it's not, it, it, it's hard. I have to do this and I apologize for having to do this. Is broadcasting live from the Sporting KC studios brought to you by KC Beer Company. Sorry, we got to pay the bills. We're a radio station. <laughs> we it, although we sound like a podcast, this is, this is definitely, um, definitely a radio station. So, Going back to the point, to the um, documentary, I Love You, Now Die, The Commonwealth versus Michelle Carter, have any of you, if you feel comfortable to talk about it, ever taken an antidepressant? Mm-hmm, yeah. No. I've I never. not. How was your experience with it, if you would like to talk about it? If you won't, don't um, worry about it. I was on it for a very short period, um, and it was a pretty low dose. Uh, my mom was not happy about me being on it, um, mm-hmm. but... I was like, dude, if this is going to fix me, please, for the love of God, give me all of it. How, um, if you don't mind me asking, how old were you? I was, it was like 2010, 2011, okay. so 10-ish, almost years ago. Okay. I was 
I don't know. Math is hard. 18, 19, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Somewhere I was curious if it was area. like it wasn't, high school or if it was a It was like right out of high okay. school. Yeah. Um, you feeling all those feelings. Yeah. And you're like, well, eh, I don't know if I feel right. Is well, that- what happened, um, I went into the doctor and I just was like, I had oh, I had, had two panic attacks, mm-hmm. which I had never had before. Those are um, scary. Holy crap. I thought I was dying. Mm-hmm. And, and not ever having one before, I didn't know what was going on. Like, I seriously, it was awful. But um, at that point, I was like, okay, something's not right. And then I go into the doctor. I'm like, I'm having all this pain. And she's like, well, it's your, it's stress. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, no, I'm feeling like I have my back hurts and my chest hurts. And she's like, yeah, you have stress. And it wasn't until that moment I was like, holy crap, you can be physically affected by stress and all these things that you're keeping inside Absolutely. Yes. It's still like, I'll know I'm getting stressed because it'll start in my chest on the right side and go to my, go to my back. And once it hits my back, I'm like, okay, it's time to relax. Like you've got to figure it out. But it wasn't until then I was like, okay, what do I do? Mm -hmm. And so we went on Selexa and I lost a lot of weight. So there was that, but that was pretty much the only benefit i got from it it never gave me like suicidal thoughts or anything i wasn't on it long enough i don't think so i uh when i was i don't know 20 something i printed out my entire live journal which was my Mm -hmm. public journal for Mm -hmm. everybody to see and read online that started in 2001 and i think it ended in like 2010 so i printed it out and closed the account so no one could ever read it because it was like horrible and i read the whole thing and then i go to my therapist and she goes what do you feel now that you read all your thoughts from being a child from, you know, your very early 20s, 20 mm-hmm. to, you know, 30? Like, what do you feel? And I said, the only thing that I said was, I wish I would have discovered uh, medication sooner because it, I was almost manic, you mm-hmm. know, like feeling so strongly about something oh, yeah. and then not feeling strongly and then being so hurt and having all these feelings that were just so much more than it felt like other people had. Did you did you begin the medication at some point during that time? I or was this, no. This, okay, this, this would gonna, be in, in retro. Like I'd be I was looking just curious back if there was like a point in the journal where you just noticed that mm, switch, or if this was after. This would have been after, gotcha. even after the. I, I wouldn't have taken medicine, but even by the end of right. end of this. But like watching it go up and down and up and down and up and down all over the place, and like all these strong feelings and it's like wow. But I did have an issue with. Um, I didn't want to be the person that had to take a pill. Right. Yeah. That's where I was. Yeah. I don't have to take a pill to be normal. Yeah. And that's, and then that adds to your, just to your stress and all of the like, great. Now I have to take pills to just be normal. Mm -hmm. That's me. Mm -hmm. And there's a stigma to that. There absolutely is. There's an embarrassment to that. There is. But it's easier. It's a little easier now, Mm -hmm. but there's still, even now I'm just like, um, is there some sort of like any, any other route we could go? Right. I was that way for a very long time. Um, Many therapists were like, eh try this i think you should probably try right. this. it is up to they're you they're terrifying you to. to me right because they changed your brain they do well that's what they're designed to do is to change the chemical balance in your brain right but realizing that there is a physical off balance in your brain mm-hmm. and realizing that that's not something that you did you know right if, if you had uh, you know uh, some kind of physical issue you know that it was a birth defect or something that's not your fault that's not your fault yeah People don't like to look at the brain in that same way. Right. And I personally think that you should. I think we are on the 
upswing, just like any other medical discovery, like, you know, whenever broken bones were, you know, like, here, here's how we fix a broken bone. Mm -hmm. I think we're getting there. It's going to take a very long time for us to get there, but I think we're finally like. Look, my grandfather takes a pill every day for his heart. How's right. that any different than taking a pill every day for your, for your brain? brain? It's an exactly. organ that we have that needs a little bit extra chemical, whatever that would be in that pill, to alter it slightly to make it more in the range of normal so you're not so on the extremes of the ups and downs. It's a generational thing. It is. It's a generational thing because the thing is, if you listen, so we all talk about it because to us it's semi-normalized. We still have that feeling where I don't want to be that person to take a pill, but we're still okay with that. Mm-hmm. The older generations were, you handle your own business. Right. Mm-hmm. You take care of your problems. Our generation did just fine without medications. Well, you didn't because <laughs> you self-medicated with alcohol or whatever it was. You're self-medicating that problem. Right. Oh, I, I'm upset. I'm going to go drink. Okay. Right. This is a point that I would like to make. And this was the best disc- best answer when I went searching for the answer for this question. This is the best one that I found that I feel good with. So, why now? Why is everybody having all these mental problems now? Why is it now that people are, quote, discovering that they were, quote, born in the wrong body? You know, why now? Why this? Why this time period? The answer, the best answer that I ever got was before this, if you think about it, people just had to go and do what they were doing. You know, think of the pioneers that built these roads. They didn't have time to have mental breakdowns. They were building our country also oh go ahead no no no, no. And, and it just kind of like goes generation to generation but now we're in an automatic generation the things that you had to go out and do to um we don't need to do any work to right live. so now we're the thinking generation we're the first ones that get to kind of sit back and go like that i don't have to go i don't even have to go to the grocery store anymore if i don't want to i can sit here with my thoughts mm-hmm. we could literally never leave our our houses. Yes, because all those things that used to take the, um, that would take the place of having to worry about this stuff. Right. You had to go do. That was, that's one thing that I heard and I thought that was so a really good Does our brain need more exercise? Or just, what? Well, when you're feeling, because exercise absolutely does help you mentally well, to a degree. Right. It, it, it I, yeah, but, do we do we need constant stimulation to keep us from our thoughts? Could, what could do you the, think? the overstimulation where our brains are constantly overstimulated, right. and now that we've gone less, anytime we get away from that, our brain is striving for that. So now we see are in this depression that was we never got to these levels of stimulation hundreds of years ago. Yes, even even a generation or two before. The ones that are still alive and like, why are you having all these mental problems? I'm fine. And so here, there's another side of that is, well, why all of a sudden we're finally, it's not that it didn't happen back then. I'm sure people were very sad back in, you know, 18. They just sent them away. They Well, that, or they just never talked about it. Now we're in a world in a, where we can, it's still stick, you know, there's still a stigma, but we can still talk about it mm-hmm. and like we have our little group of friends and it's like you know hey i'm having these issues we can talk about it finally so it's not a secret it, it's not fully a secret anymore and that's another reason why things are popping up and you're seeing more of this movement or this you know it's more in the forefront mm-hmm. because we're 
able to talk about it. Right. We're a little, I hesitate to say we're a little more accepting, but some of us are more accepting nowadays. I'm impressed with the generation that is able to talk to like 20 right now. Like how open they are and how, you know, it seems like unbiased and the things that they're cool with now. I mean, it takes progression, even just like the homo sapien, you know, it took a long time for us to learn how to stand up, you know, when through evolution, if you believe in evolution, Um, not saying that I don't believe in evolution, but, um, but just like that, it takes the time. Time is the only everything takes time. If you want to, exactly. if you want to get to a point, it's going to take time and it's going to take work. And the more that we talk about things, the more that we talk about mental health, the closer we can get to that point of where it becomes normalized. Yep. And that's why I found this documentary so interesting. The Michelle Carter case was because you know talking to people seems to make us better. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that people want to talk to their friends or their significant other about things that they need to talk to a professional about because they don't right they don't know where to go and that you're right that was part of the conversation that was part of the documentary when we get going back into the michelle carter angle of this the it felt like she was tried as an adult but really she was a very lonely 17 year old kid that's that's the biggest thing that people take away from for me anyway is that she was 17 so at 17 i i couldn't imagine and my mom is loving supporting i love my mom to death my mom i could talk to her about anything if i was at the point where i was suicidal at 17 i don't know how i would talk to my mom about it and you can't go to a therapist at that age without talk without having to go through a parent right yes exactly you, you can but it's very, very difficult. Yeah, the, the, a lot of the prosecution was saying she would text her friends and her mom would text and be like, are you okay? And she would say, yeah. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry. If I go back to being 17 years old, 16 years old, and something like this happened to me, you know, I, I, anything, any, not something like this, but anything big happened to me, I'm not going to my parents first. Mm-hmm. No way. I'm going to my friends to be like, hey, dude, how do I get out of this? How, you know, have you dealt with this before? That was a problem that the prosecution had. That when in reading this girl's texts that she was telling, you know, her parents and everything that she was fine. But in reality, this kid had just, you know, killed himself and she didn't know what to do with that. She didn't know how to deal with that. Um, I mean, a good part of the documentary also involves the fact that there was physical and mental abuse to Conrad, the boy. Um, his uh, yeah, his, his father, father got charged with uh, domestic. I've got period. the audio right here. I do have the audio right here. I responded to an assault call, sir. And at some point in time, did you come into uh, the physical presence of Conrad Roy III? I that's did. his dad, okay. yeah. And uh, did you make any observations? Sorry, that's him. him. Yes, his face was swollen, red, and he had some lacerations to his face. Before concluding my investigation, a, a male potty was subsequently placed under arrest. And who was that male potty that the was father. The one Mr. you were speaking to? Correct. And what was he arrested for? Assault and battery domestic. He, and the thing is, is that you can't see it, obviously, because we only have audio. In the report, the son was hit so, struck so hard that he was given a concussion. By the dad? By the dad. Oh, was this the first, oh God. Was and the argument the- started by, um, I believe... The dad told him to do something like clean the dishes or something like that. And the son said, I'll do it after this commercial. And the dad just 
Good Lord. Was this the first and only no. No. Instance? No. In the in the relationship, he uh his parents were getting a divorce. Oh God. Okay. And he many times would talk to his therapist about seeing physical physical violence and every you know so he had a therapist he did have a therapist yes for how long hmm. do we know i don't know that but here's an interesting thing that i don't know it's worth bringing up um for the whole case conrad had tried attempted to commit suicide four times prior to this final time this is a this is an audio clip of him um conrad roy talking about feeling depressed. I can't fathom the fact that I was such a happy kid when I was younger. He said happy, by the way. Oh. Happy. And I've created a monster out of myself the past few years because of my depression. Racing thoughts. Suicidal thoughts. That's him talking. I think it's about a year before it actually happened. The police being called on his dad only a couple weeks Prior or a to. month before it actually happened. His family is going through this terrible divorce. And not to say that this is how every kid feels and how every kid understands these things, but these were contributing factors to something that made him really sad. And then, like like Dustin said, he attempted it four times. And that's that's the hard. I mean, he took. Uh, I think it was Tylenol. He said. Yep. Yeah. He he. Uh, they had to st- pump his stomach and all this. And that's one of the things that I. And that's why I'm so hard to believe. You know, the Michelle had this huge, huge influence because this kid. I mean, you listen to him talk, and he attempted beforehand. And- I've got audio for that. Conrad at least four times attempted suicide, once nearly killing himself. He overdosed on acetaminophen. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, we do have to talk about her part in this now, too. So. Is this the mother? Not the mother. The, uh, Michelle. we got to bring her back into this. Right. As a lonely, just try to remember what you were like as like a lonely 17-year-old kid who didn't understand the world. Who, honestly, there is a little spot in this uh in this documentary that she is confused about her sexuality. That's thrown in there too. And we're going to talk all about this coming up in six minutes. Jordan Silver and Friends on The Buzz. Jordan Silver and Friends 96.5 The Buzz have the whole entire dream team here. We've kind of hijacked this past hour and keeping going. Uh, I don't care. Yeah. This is important stuff that I feel like people need to hear. And uh, Buzz family needs to know that if they're ever going through anything, you know, our job is to make you laugh and have a good time. And yes, it is. But it also every now and then, very rarely we want to talk about something real serious. And mm-hmm. the fact that this documentary is new, everyone is talking about it, the fact that there's more details of the case, you know, coming up, that I think this is the perfect time and place to talk about this. And I think that we are four totally different people that have had very different lives and different experiences, different mental health issues Mm -hmm. possibly to not label it but you know we've been through a lot mentally you know we were raised differently right so to be able to have this conversation with a a good you know chunk of the representation of who is listening the buzz family then i think that 
this is something that we should talk about. So we're talking about the HBO documentary, I Love You Now Die, just came out on HBO. It's the Commonwealth versus Michelle Carter. Earlier, we talked about the beginning of the case, the uh, the media, the witch hunt, the way that people have very strong opinions on cases without properly researching them, right. you know, um, bullying. Can you be responsible for um, for stuff you say? Should you be responsible? Should you be responsible Should you for be the responsible? things you say? Yeah, for the stuff that you say, which is, again, the reason that this actually, this court case actually came about was because we're living in a day and age where you can see the bullying now, you know? Text messages don't go away. Facebook posts don't go away. You can't delete anything off the internet. People can get that. And now, as they said in this documentary, we have a whole transcript of what happened between these two people. For years. For, for they the had five to read years. through for years of text back and forth and the more they read the more they learned and things like that Mm -hmm. and it's i'd love to see those transcripts simply because the documentary does a great job of kind of trying to show a lot of them Mm -hmm. but that is just a fraction oh totally what was said totally 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 then that all goes into you know you should probably think about what you say before you say it your hateful stuff, you know. Why are you? Ha- why do you want? Why do you feel the need to say this? Right mm-hmm. is the first thing. It, it. I'll guarantee you that it's something internal and not something about who you're taking it out on. Also, we talked about mental health, antidepressants, taking antidepressants. Um, we talked about the, according to Psychology Today, the reasons why most people do take their lives and. If you want to listen to this whole thing, it's going to be up on the podcast probably around 10, 10 o'clock for the whole thing. Um, but now we're making our way to the last part of this conversation, which is, I think, the next big thing. And that is to talk about loneliness. And this will all tie in, I promise. Loneliness. Mm-hmm. You don't have to explain any of this. And you definitely don't have to tell us when and where. But can you remember like the some of the loneliest that you've ever felt? I can tell you the exact time I felt the loneliest. So, and I don't mind sharing. So, uh, I had an ex-girlfriend mentally and physically abusive. So, because of that, I wasn't allowed to talk to my friends. I mean, to the point where she had my iMessage passwords and if I were communicating with friends, she would see it and it would be an issue. So, I had to cut ties with basically all of my friends. I never really hung out with my family. It was just her. So when it finally got to the straw of, you know, me getting pepper sprayed and my face scratched open and I was, I had finally just said I had enough and I had my mom come pick me up. I remember and I got in the car and as I was sitting there riding with my mom, that's when I felt the loneliest Mm -hmm. because I had just realized that I had burned every bridge I had for her and that was now gone. Mm -hmm. So what do I have now? Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of people take this as a breakup as this being the reason that they've felt the loneliness, the, right. lo- the loneliest in their entire lives. I mean, and that's what's scary for some. And I, I've been in their position and I can feel for them is that you stay in it simply because, you know, the second you get out of it, you're going to be alone. Right. You oh, know? yeah. People stay in relationships to not be mm-hmm. alone. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And yeah. not alone in the sense of, oh, I don't have a, a partner alone in the sense of I don't have anyone. Right. I'm alone alone. Yeah, last year, um, that's what really, I don't remember exact, like the exact thing that did it, but um, a huge, like 
the majority, like 98% of why I felt so awful last year was because I was lonely. Like, I had been mostly single for like five years and everyone around me, every single one of my friends, every all of my exes were like married or getting married and having babies and all my friends were married and, you know, all my friends were in relationships and I, I'm sure it had to do some stupid bumble guy. I'm sure kind of was the last straw and I just, everything hit at once and my, I can tell when I'm getting into a point where I need to kind of like reevaluate myself Mm -hmm. when the gear and gear stuff is no longer bringing me joy. Mm -hmm. It feels like a burden. The things that bring you joy, no longer bringing you joy is an absolute red flag. Right. For depression. Yeah. And worse. Yeah. So I I knew that's when I realized like, okay, something isn't right. Mm -hmm. And I seriously for like, for like six months, um, I was like, I didn't see any point to going to work. Mm-hmm. I didn't getting out of bed was a chore. I mean, mm-hmm. there were there were days where I was just like, nah, I'm not doing this today. Right. I just stayed in bed. People would text me. I wouldn't answer them for days. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you texting me? Why do you care? Right. Like, right. I just I don't care about myself. Why do you care about me? Totally. You know, and some, sometimes medication is what is supposed to balance that out. Right. That is something just not shooting off as much happy juice in your head like right. you need to survive you don't when you take an antidepressant you don't feel like you're high and like mm. uh you know and like, totally just happy all the time it just evens you out to the point where you can deal with everything else now yeah it, that becomes not something that you're completely deficient in all the time doesn't make you feel high but it does again change the chemicals in your brain to get you there and um yeah i've i've definitely been incredibly lonely i you know again i I think this is something that the Buzz family can totally understand would never seem to fit in no matter where I was, you know, and that wasn't anybody's fault. You know, that was where I was physically placed in the time that I was physically placed, you know, with the lack of communication with the outside world, you know, because the Internet wasn't around when I was an adolescent, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, and that loneliness can create. I want to write her in jail. I really feel sad and sorry for this girl because I identify with her. Yeah. In the sense that the documentary then goes into this level of um, of her the factors that made her feel the way that she felt. And, you know, she, she seemed isolated. You know, she seemed to have all these issues going on inside of her that she didn't have anybody to talk to. I mean, we've all had that friend. The 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 people in the documentary seem to paint her somewhat of a compulsive liar to get attention. You know, the, the, her friends didn't know if she was someone that was telling the truth or not. And then we've all had that friend. You're just like, come on, you are not related to so-and-so. Right. We know this. They're saying that for attention, you know, because they're not getting it somewhere, the proper attention that, right. that, they, that they need. So there's a, a, two levels that the, that the documentary goes. One is this obsession that she has with the show Glee. And with the actress Leah Michelle. Um, here's just a little clip. Yeah. Yep. I'm gonna get this right one day. I literally lived every day of my life feeling like the luckiest girl in the whole world. I just I just thought he was the greatest man. That's Leah Michelle talking about This is weird. This is really weird. 
I think it translates to that Michelle had little, if any, idea of who she was. She identified extremely strongly with this other world, this other life. So that's the point. Yeah, and in the documentary that you heard, Leah Michelle, it's an interview of her talking about her recently deceased boyfriend, mm-hmm. who was also a character on the show, yada, yada, yada. And you heard the little text tone. Well, what um, Michelle had done is she had taken that direct quote that Leah had said about her significant other that had just passed and texted that to Conrad. So everything that, and this wasn't just in the show, this was an outside interview of Leah talking about him. So everything that Leah did, Michelle kind of emulated. Right. And that is like the guy from Esquire, the guy who was talking in there, says that she identified with another world and life very strongly. This is what I can. Yes, I understand this. I understand this very much. There is, and I, I tried for like an hour to figure out exactly how I wanted to say this, because um, when you don't have anyone to identify with, with who you are, you kind of go to these dreamlands because they're safe and their defense mechanisms that are in place to protect you from realizing the actual crushing realization of how bad it feels to be that lonely. I totally mm-hmm. I totally get it. That's my Taylor Swift obsession. Right. I'll say it right here, right now. I'm 37. I haven't figured it out yet, you know, like relationship-wise. I have a defense mechanism that's like, all right, maybe I'm just like, what? maybe it's her. Maybe that's it. That's it, you know, because I don't want to really, 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 really think about the reality of it. Because I can't, because then... Right. It gets real It real gets dark. real dark and sad. Yeah. And the thing is, is that you emulate and you look up to these characters on these shows because, yes, things happen and bad things happen on these shows, but everything always seems to turn out right in the end. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to go, oh, yeah, and we all do it. You remind me a lot of so-and-so from so-and-so, whatever the character is and whatever the show is, or we do it ourselves. We're like, don't I remind you a lot of this character off of this show? Oh, it's, I'm so a this one. Yeah. yeah. Because Completely. I, there's a moment when, before my wife and I got married, we had a tumultuous year of a bad year, and I literally watched Netflix, like The Office, Parks and Rec, just the league to escape. I would, I would come home from work, and I would want to go to Netflix so I could escape in that happy world. I didn't have to deal with anything in my life. Right. It, it was... We've all been there. Yeah. Ever- I, it, I couldn't... I didn't want to breathe. I didn't want to. I don't want to say I don't want to live. I didn't get to the suicidal depths of it. Right. But it was. You want to make it to the end of the day so you yeah. can have another day. And all I want to do is sleep and escape with some sort of some sort of escape. And I I chose. Luckily, I chose comedy Netflix and not a a bad escape. Mm-hmm. But it. I totally understand that. Yeah. There's a so so factoring in all of this so that we can we can finish it off. You have. Two kids that have met, that they connect together. They really, you know, understand each other. The guy is going through some really, uh, he's, he's seeing abusive stuff at home, mm-hmm. you know, and because of that may possibly be leading him into just not wanting to be around anymore. Also having chemical deficiencies in his head, you know, on antidepressants. I took Celexa once. I've taken two antidepressants. I've taken Celexa and it felt like a wire was loose in my brain. It was. It made me absolutely insane. Insane to the point where if I didn't take it at exactly the certain time, then I would have 
suicidal thoughts. Absolutely. It's so weird how just changing up a little bit of those chemicals in your brain can do that. And I remember going to my my psychiatrist and being like, you got one more chance, lady. <laughs> like, I don't know how I'm, I'm calling out of work. I never call out of work. I'm always, you know, here. Everything is wrong. I need something else. So she, she put me on um, Prozac. Now, the reason that there's so many of these different medications is because they go to different parts of your brain. Right. That's why maybe Selexa works for someone. Finding maybe- that that right one is right. the problem. Right. Taking the month that it takes for you to get used to it, to kind of get rid of all the horrible stuff that happens, you know, before with all the anxiety and stuff. So we've got two kids who are, but she's also on medication. She's right. also on. Um, and she was started out on Prozac, mm-hmm. which I did some research after the documentary because they mentioned it in the documentary, but I just wanted to do some personal research. Um, Prozac side effects for adults taking the medication are nausea, you know, things like that. Just a typical kind of medication. Fatigue. Fatigue, things like that. Yeah. The side effects for teens, adolescents taking Prozac, the first one is suicidal tendencies and suicidal thoughts. And that is because your brain isn't fully developed yet. Right. Your sense of reason. Here's the thing. This is why we're all crazy in our early 20s. Well, this is why I explain it. You're the very last thing for to grow in your body before everything kind of stops growing and you know you start doing the middle age thing is around 25 your sense of reason in your brain finally develops your sense of reason around Mm -hmm. 25 think about the stuff that you did Mm. dustin i apologize but from 18 to 25 you're like i can't believe i did that i can't believe i thought that was a good idea i'm ashamed that i went even down that route that i would never even think about doing now yep so there you go. We got these these two kids confused what's going on, you know, and they're talking to each other. There is another angle of it, and that is that Conrad was kind of abusive yeah. to her. Take a listen to this. It struck me that she was in an extremely abusive relationship. This is constant harassing of her while he's not telling family. And at one point toward the end, Conrad tells her the one thing that will make me hate you is if you tell anyone that I'm suicidal. So for the first year and a half that they were talking, he was bringing up these dark thoughts, and she was like, you should get help, you should talk to your parents, you should do this. Something makes her flip here in this narrative, Mm -hmm. basically. I think, as someone who has dealt with this very personally and very closely, uh, you get to a point where it's so sad, but you kind of realize that that is the only option for this person. And, and they help doesn't help. In right? the trailer, when she says she felt it was the only option she had after everything with the abuse, her only escape, I get it. Yeah, she she felt like what she was doing was right. She felt, and that's that's something that's hard for people to understand and hard yes. for people to grasp. And that's I'm I'm sure I'm going to get some slack for that, but I get it. It's it's very hard. She thought what she was doing was right. And the thing is, is that she was so infatuated. I mean, that was her person, her only person. We went back to the loneliness thing. First off, she and you said she was on antidepressants. She was bulimic. She had very little friends. Any of the friends she did have, she would constantly have to pester them to hang out with her. She would send multiple, multiple texts and they're like, oh, no, I'm busy. And they even said on trial, they're like, no, I had no intentions of hanging out with her. So she's alone. The only person she has is this boy. And he tells her, the only thing that would make me hate you is if you tell people that I'm suicidal. So what is she going to do? She's not going, I mean, that's her one person. She's not going to lose him. And he gets to the point where he's suicidal and she feels like, you know what? It, it's going to help him. He will be better off 
if he does it. And as sad as that is, I think that's her reality. I'm sure at that point she felt that that was her being selfless. Right. Like, I need you, but you need this more. Now, take a listen to this. This is the prosecution reading that the text that got her in trouble, the text that, you know, put her in jail. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Sorry. Yes, this is actually the text that that was the reason that she was put in jail. This is the prosecution reading the entire thing. One part of this is going to seem very familiar to you, and the other part is not. Take a listen. His death is my fault. Like, honestly, I could have stopped him. I was on the phone with him. I know that that F word was in there. My bad. Get back in, Sam, because I knew he would do it all over again the next day, and I couldn't have him live that way, the way he was living anymore. I couldn't do it. I wouldn't let him. So, sorry, I had to hit the dump board. I forgot that she swore in that. Um, so the first part of that is what she eventually does go to jail for. The fact that she told him to get back in the car. The second part of it is that she said that the reason that she did it. Because I knew he would do it all over again the next day. And I couldn't have him live that way. Because every, and the thing is, they were texting each other, and Jordan can correct me if I'm wrong, every night prior to this, he would say, I'm going to do it tonight. And then she would spend the whole night, he wouldn't respond to her, she'd spend the whole night texting him and calling him and asking Conrad, are you okay, yada, 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 thinking he had done it that Mm -hmm. night. Next morning, he'd text her saying, good morning. So she spent every night for who knows how long thinking he had killed himself, and the next morning getting a text saying, Good morning. Good morning. 17 years old, lonely, mm. having, you know, and, and watch the relationship, watch the documentary. It's really, really, really good. Um, it's called I Love You, Now Die on HBO, The Commonwealth versus Michelle Carter. We've got to wrap this up really soon. But uh, there's just so much more to the story, you know. And in the end, she is in jail. After all of that stuff being presented, she is in jail. I personally think it's a, on a technicality that I agree with. I agree with the technicality. Even though we went, I went this whole entire time being sensitive to this girl. I, I am. I am. I'm so sad for her loneliness. The, the one thing that the Buzz family kept texting me when, we would t- when I would ask them about their opinions about this was that she's never going to get the help that she needs in jail. No. As well. But right. this is the final verdict. According to prosecutors, Carter even texting him to get back in the truck when he has second thoughts. My bad, that would be the wrong one. I'm looking for By the way, one. there was no text message stating that. That's yeah. what the, that the Commonwealth has proven beyond a reasonable doubt that Miss Carter's actions and also her failure to act where she had a self-created duty to Mr. Roy constituted each and all wanton and reckless conduct. And this court further finds that the Commonwealth has proven beyond a reasonable doubt that said conduct caused the death of Mr. Roy. Translation. If you walk by someone and they are dying, you have a self-created duty to help them. Question. The text messages and the and all of that the every single night are you okay don't do it don't do it don't do it for however long and then the one time she says okay do it that's what they're they're saying that leading up to the point where he gets out of the car Mm -hmm. where he you know turns on the the 
carbon monoxide thing and like starts breathing it in that this is all his fault, all his fault, all his fault, all his fault. The reason that she is being charged with involuntary manslaughter is because she, quote, told him to get back in the car. So she had the option to tell him, no, don't do it. But instead, his death did happen. She could have, quote, these are air quotes, could have intervened, didn't. And because of that, it's her fault. It, well, it's not, it, it's, the death is not her fault. The, uh, the manslaughter charge is, is on her. So, mm. I mean, yeah, it, 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 it's self-created duty to Especially make, after to, him to telling her, don't you dare tell anyone. I'll so make you, I'll the, hate you for this. It's a self-created duty to act is exactly what she got charged with manslaughter for. So I walked by a guy today. There's a man bleeding on the street. I just walked by. I am then, if somehow be. I could be charged with his, regardless of anything. You could be charged with not helping so that he doesn't die. Like, I believe that calling 911 is what starts to get, you know, if someone is dying, that's what kind of gets you. Failure of duty to act. And- as, as a human, we have a moral <laughs> obligation to help if someone is there. And that's that's where it's at. That's why people were literally at the very end of the documentary. That's why this documentary is here. This is why people are talking about it. So, I know. I know. We're all in, in the... Like, the, okay, so say I go out and I actually kill Chris today. And I am obviously guilty of that. But I get a good enough lawyer, I get off. Oh, she didn't do that. But the person, this girl who has been trying for years to not have him kill himself messes up one time and now she's in jail. This is why everybody everybody is upset and this is why everybody's now talking about the documentary. It's more than just, quote, what the news told us, which was, quote, oh. that she texted him to get back in the car. Right. As, as Dustin said, that never happened. There was no text oh. at all. That was something that she texted a friend later, in like a, two months later, to tell about what happened while they were on the phone, because it was a phone call, not oh, a text. It was a phone call. Okay, it was a okay, phone call. Okay. So there is, as they say in the in the documentary, there's no proof of. Oh my God. There's no hard evidence that she made that statement. Yes, and she's in jail. So we've got a Chris. Le- anyway, one last no th- thought. I mean, this is where everybody's at with it. This is why this documentary. Yeah, is- you guys want to talk more about it? People can message me on social media because we gotta go. Yeah, we we've gotta go. I love you, Dot. Oh, I love you now. Die, the Commonwealth versus Michelle Carter. Check it out on HBO if you would like to. And this show, whole show, podcasted at nine six five thebuzzcom Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for letting us be part of this. We love you. You are not alone, Buzz family. We're always here for you. Always reach out to us. Mm-hmm. We are just an Instagram message away. At Jordan Silver, Jordan with an I. Thanks for letting us hang out with you today. Jordan Silver and Friends. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.